Hello, everyone. Happy weekend. Happy Easter. And what a happy Easter it is because he is risen, everyone. He has defeated death. And through him and through him only, we have forgiveness of our sins. And we are saved from eternal damnation. How glorious is our God. Um, I am super blessed that you would be spending today or whatever day you're watching this uh, just with me. And to talk about the big question, you know, who is Jesus? And uh, this is something that I recently tackled. Um, I'm recording this yesterday uh, as you're listening to it. But today is Saturday, um, April 11th, 2020. And um, I was just reading through my Bible. Um, I was uh, finishing a couple lessons from the School of uh, Biblical Evangelism. And I reread the very first chapter of Pastor John Piper's book, Astonished by God. And this book is amazing already. I'm only one chapter in. I read it once. And then today, uh, Saturday, I reread it. And uh, God revealed um, some pretty amazing things to me. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, um, you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm super happy and blessed that you would just spend this time with me, um, sharing the word of uh, the Lord, our God, uh, who is Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh. So, um, I'm not going to waste your time and I'm just going to jump straight into it, um, to understand. Oh yeah. And you have to forgive me. Um, if you hear any paper rules rattling me moving, um, I have about two Bibles open right now. I have my book open. Um, and I have the notebook that I was taking notes on. So it's not going to be all over the place, but it's just going to sound like it's all over the place. But trust me, I have a pretty, pretty nice system for this. But the first thing that we need to talk about when we're talking about Jesus is we need to talk about the Old Testament. Because I do believe, and I, I, I do believe uh, as truth, that the entire Bible is talking about the story of Jesus and our ultimate redemption uh, through him. So that's not excluding the Old Testament either. I believe that the entire Old Testament is is prophesying a Savior to come, and that Savior is seen as Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you why I do believe that. Um, so first we have to take a look at the great prophet Isaiah, who had a vision uh, from God. And I'm going to briefly read you the vision that he had. Um, it's it's four, uh, four very short verses. It's in uh, Isaiah Chapter 6, if you want to follow along. But the subheading is Isaiah's commission. Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So in the book uh, by Pastor John Piper, Astonished by God, uh, we he first introduces uh, Exodus. Let me pull up the uh, exact verse. But it is Exodus uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, when Moses is has been commissioned by God to go uh, tell Pharaoh that his people will be free. And Moses asked the question to God, you know, if, if, if the people ask, you know, what do I tell him your name is? And then God goes and then saying that he is who he is. Um, and basically pastor John Piper takes that and tells us who God is. And it's a very beautiful piece. Um, 
and that is going to have to be another episode for another day. But eventually, Pastor John Piper gets into this message, basically the summation of Jesus Christ, and it's through this, um, through these, for, uh, through these short four verses in the second, uh, the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah, uh, we are told about. God um, and all of his glory. John Piper gives us seven characteristics that we could take from Isaiah chapter six, verses one through four. And these characteristics are God is alive. He is authoritative. He is uh, omnipotent, having uh, unlimited power or being able to do everything. He is resplendent, uh, unbelievably majestic in beauty. Number five, he is revered or greatly respected. He's very admired. Chapter, uh, not chapter six. Number six is he is holy. And number seven is he is glorious. So Pastor John Piper takes all of these and compares them with a the verse to say how God is alive, authoritative, um, all the way to glorious. So you may be asking, you know, like, what does this have to do anything with God, uh, with, with Jesus? Um, and I would refer you to the gospel connection that we could find um, through Isaiah chapter six, verses one through four. And it this 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 text presents God on a throne. So if if you want to pause it right now and go straight through it again, um, and just imagine what that would be like, God sitting on a throne, and these these mystical creatures who have only been talked about once um, in this passage, as far as like. As far as I'm concerned, um, as and as far as Pastor John Piper is concerned, um, these creatures are covering, you know, the face of God, covering the feet of God, and uh, we then are led to verses nine and ten of that sixth chapter, and uh, basically this is a message uh, that God's gloriousness will be hidden from people, and the people will be hardened by it. Okay, so God's gloriousness is going to be hidden from people because of their own doing and the people will be hardened because of it. It then goes to say in, in verse 13, um, that a stump of faithfulness remains as the Holy seed. So digging up on this Holy seed, we find out that the Holy seed was described in Isaiah, uh, chapter 53. And basically Isaiah chapter 53 is the description of a suffering servant. And uh, I, I'm not going to go through it too much, um, but I do just want to touch on, touch up on it a little bit. Verses 1 through 3, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, has, uh, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. This is referring to the holy seed in verse 13 of chapter 6. So verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And going through it, you could just see the amazing correlations to how this, this, this suffering servant relates to Jesus and actually is Jesus Christ. So like I said, this holy seed in verse 13 of chapter 6 is being described as a suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53. He was still rejected by men, 
and despised, even though he was lowly and had no majesty. So if we're comparing Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, to, to the entirety of uh, Isaiah chapter 53, we see two things going on, okay? In Isaiah chapter 6, we see God, who is majestic, who is authoritative, and who has so much power. And if we compare that to Jesus, who's being described in, in Isaiah chapter 53, we see that the suffering servant, or Jesus, it has no majesty. He has no beauty. There is nothing desirable of him. And the common theme that we take from both of these messages is verses 9 through 10 in chapter 6 and verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 53. And basically the summation of this all is that whether glorious or sovereign, or whether glorious and sovereign, or whether humble and suffering, the result is the same. Man ultimately rejects God in all that they do. So the two verses from Isaiah, okay, so uh, 53, 1, uh, chapter 53, verse 1, and chapter 6, verse 10, um, are the very two texts that the Apostle John quotes in reference to the rejection of Jesus Christ. And we see that in John chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. So he's pulling the passages of rejection from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, which reads, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And also to um, Isaiah chapter uh, 6, verse 10. Let me pull that up real quick. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10, which says, um, Make the heart of his people dull and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. So the Apostle John pulls um, these two messages, uh, these two messages and uh, prophecies from the prophet Isaiah. These texts were used because John tells us that Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory, saw God's glory, and spoke of them. And we see that in John chapter 12, verse 41. In other words, Jesus was the fulfillment of of both Isaiah passages. Wow, so beautiful. Jesus was both the enthroned sovereign and the suffering servant. So we see in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, God, majesty being in, seated on this huge throne. Imagine his uh, imagine uh, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of of uh, of 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 a, of a woman on her wedding day. And you see her taking pictures on these staircases and her dress is covering uh, some of the some of the staircase, it's 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 droping, it's it's draping along the staircase. Imagine the woman in her wedding reception, but her dress was covering all of the chairs in its entirety, every single square inch of that of that building, and that is 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 what's being talked about in Isaiah chapter six. And if we go back to some of the reasons that uh, John Piper was listing off of God, we see that that's one of the uh, reasons. Uh, he is very uh, resplendent, unbelievably majestic in beauty. You know, his robe is, is covering all of us. He's very sovereign. He's overseeing uh, all of us. So in Isaiah chapter six, like I said, we see that God is majestic. He is beautiful. He is to be admired at the at the highest standard. He is this, this beautiful being because God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is eternal. All right. He is eternal. And he is so glorious 
that these creatures, these angelic creatures are hiding his face and his feet. I want you to think of this for a second. We tremble at the at the thought of seeing an angel here in earthly form, but the angels tremble at the holiness and at the glory of God. Wow, that is it is so beautiful. So coming back to the main point, Jesus was both enthroned sovereign and he was a suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 53. If we now go to John chapter 1, verse 14, if you want to get there, I'll I'll give you some time. But basically, the uh, Apostle John says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word here is referring to Jesus because we see in John chapter 1, verse 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word. Think of the Word as Jesus. Replace the Word with Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. All the way in the beginning, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Let's replace the Word with Jesus. In the beginning, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was incarnated in the flesh. Jesus was a manifestation of God in the flesh. So we see in uh, in John chapter 1, verse 14, like I said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That glory was the unprecedented, if you don't know what that means, it means never known before. So the glory that John is talking about in John 1, 14, the glory was unprecedented. We never knew of it. It was mingling of the majesty. It was an unprecedented mingling of the majesty of Isaiah chapter 6. So in Isaiah chapter 6, we see the unprecedented mingling of the majesty. And we see the misery of Isaiah 53. If we read John 1.11, we see he came to his own and his own did not receive him. We did not receive him whether we saw him as glorious, enthralled in heaven as the prophet spoke, the prophet Isaiah spoke of in chapter six, or we did not receive him as a suffering servant because both passages had the same outcome. In Isaiah chapter six, verses nine through 10, we see that God was being rejected. In Isaiah 53 verse one, we see that the, that the suffering servant was being rejected. So we have to, we have to really like like step back and 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 think about it. like why why was Christ rejected back then and why is Christ still being rejected to this day ponder that for a moment why was Christ being rejected back then and why is he still being rejected today and the apostle John writes in John 12:43 the answer to that question the people love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Because they loved human glory more than divine glory, they rejected Jesus, who is the embodiment of the glory of God, both in greatness, as seen in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and his lowness as the suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53. But you have to understand that this was all the plan. The main message I want to portray to you today is that God is sovereign over all. God is in control of every single aspect, regardless of how we feel. Every single aspect is 
is is something beautiful. And I'm going to touch up on, on, on that a little bit later towards the end of the podcast. But this was the part of the plan. Jesus Christ being rejected was a part of God's sovereign plan. We see in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, and in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Through the rejection of Jesus Christ, through, the crucif- uh, the, uh, through Jesus being crucified, we now have a ransom that has been paid through him and through uh, him alone. Listen to this and, and grasp this. His rejection was the plan because his death for sinners was the plan. I'm now going to take you back to uh, Pastor John Piper's book. And uh, the very ending is, is, is so beautiful. And just, just please listen to this. The very end, uh, page 24, if you have the book. If you don't, you need to buy it. It's, it's already a great book. I'm, already, I'm only one chapter in, but I'm already endorsing this book. Anyway, the very end of page 24. Nothing has been wasted. There was no detours on the way to this great salvation of, God, of all of God's elect. So when Paul stands back and looks at the whole plan, he worships. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36 reads, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how uh, inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him, all things to him be glory forever. Amen. This is our God. And that chapter ends so beautifully. And uh, that's, that's, and, and that's just about it. Um, this has been a, you know, pretty quick, you know, quicker than I expected, but I just want you to see how the old Testament and the new Testament both go hand in hand. They aren't, yes, they are two separate, two separate time periods, but they both ultimately tell the same story of a redeemer coming to save us sinners from the death that we all deserve through Jesus's death. And that is, that is the gospel message. There is no one good. If I take you through the 10 commandments, you know, we've all lied. We've all stolen. Um, if you have red blood in your veins, like I do. And if you're a guy, I mean, you've, you've, you've looked at women with lust, or if you're a girl, you've looked at men with, with, uh, with, with lustful desire. Or if you're uh, attracted to the opposite opposite sex, you, you looked at them with a sense of lust. We've all broken these commandments. Um, honestly, I've dishonored my parents. I've coveted things that that I wanted really bad. Um, Jesus said, "If you if you hate someone in your heart, you've already committed murder with them in your heart." So I, I've I, I've murdered someone, you know. Um, the and and the greatest and and the greatest commandment that that most of us all fall short of is breaking the first and second commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a graven in, image of any god. And sometimes we really love to picture God as this all loving, all kind God, and we love to leave the morality out of it. We love to leave God's justice out of it, and that is a form of idolatry. We make our own god to suit our feelings and to justify our sin. Um, we've all broken these commandments, at least one of them. 
and the law, the moral law, the Ten Commandments are, are, are known as the moral law. The moral law calls for our, crucif uh, our crucifixion. It calls for our condemnation and our death. The moral law isn't a, a, a very happy message. And if we were to die, being judged strictly on the moral law, we would all be punished to death and how everlasting. But God did something beautifully amazing 2,000 years ago, and that was through Jesus Christ, the Son on the cross. We broke the moral law. Jesus came and paid the fine through his blood shed on the cross. If I take you to a courtroom and you have a stack of speeding tickets up against you and the judge says, well, you're looking at some, some pretty tough time here, but someone has came in and, and paid for your fine. You're free to go. The, just, the, 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 the judge could do that because it is just and legal. Jesus Christ came on our behalf, paid our fine for us, shed, shed his blood, went to hell, resurrected, defeated death. And we are only saved. We only have everlasting life. When we, one, believe in him, two, repent of our sins, turning away from our sins, not being a hypocrite. And God promises us, first, salvation, and two, a new heart with new desires, a heart that desires righteousness and hates wickedness. And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. I do want to end off with a message of, uh, of hope for you guys. And uh, just reading through Matthew chapter 27 is just, you know, heartbreaking. Um, Jesus being put on trial, you know, Jesus carrying his cross to Calvary, Jesus being mocked, being spit at, being blasphemed. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it was really something hard for me to read. Um, I, I finished up this, uh, this, this short little message, uh, like an hour ago. And I just wanted to add this towards the end. And I was reading through Mark uh, chapter, uh, not Mark, Matthew chapter 27, uh, in its entirety. And it was just, you know, taking me away. I never really read it in full context, uh, from start to finish. And it's, it was, it was really hard for me, you know, to watch, uh, for, for me to, to read along. And the, 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 the toughest thing that, that I read, which really wasn't, and then I didn't even read it, but the toughest thing that I pondered on was a trans was a transition from Matthew chapter uh, twenty seven to twenty eight, and that gap. Um, in, in in Matthew chapter twenty eight, we see the resurrection of Jesus. Hallelujah! It is amazing. But in the middle, even though it was not recorded, I can guarantee you that his disciples were in in such terrible grief. You know, just imagine devoting your entire livelihood to this man, only for him just to be crucified and to die. You leave your family, you leave everything that you had in the past, loved ones, you know, your way of life, a career, you leave it all behind for this man and he dies. Could you just imagine the grief that was in there? Uh, just circling in the room for three days. And, and that's something that is just really taking me aback. And it really makes me think of the seasons that I'm in when I feel that God's presence has left me. When I feel that I've given up relationships to people. When I feel that I've given up certain lustful and sinful desires. 
you know, for for this for this guy that I've never seen before. And uh and to a certain extent I could I could relate to the disciples what they are going through. Um but not nearly as great as as how they are going through it. But to a certain extent sometimes I feel man like I'm not feeling God today. You know, I've 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 witnessed all these miracles you know, I've seen all these things that Jesus has been doing in and through my life, but I'm just not, I'm just not feeling them today. In the disciples' case, Jesus died. They witnessed all these miracles. And throughout the 27th chapter of Matthew, you see many people mocking him saying, call to God, you know, if you're the son of God, he'll save you. And I'm not going to guarantee it, but I would I would think that the disciples were hearing that. And I think something within them was saying, man, like if, like, like, what if this, like, what if, what if all of this was just a hoax all the way up to Calvary? He died. And before he died, he asked God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the people then realized, oh, he's, he's talking, he's talking to, to the God of Elijah. Like they, they were all in tune. They were watching to see what was going to happen to him. And then it says that Jesus shouted a last shout and his spirit yielded uh, upward and he died. So it's, it's just, it's, it, it really takes you back. Uh, I really encourage you to go read through the 27th chapter of Matthew, but not only read that, but read the ending, read the 28th chapter. Cause that is the most beautiful part of it all. And in and, and, and our seasons of, of uncertainty. We have no idea what God's doing. The disciples had no idea what God was doing when he died. Throughout his entire ministry, they saw so many miracles, so many things, but this was the worst thing that could ever happen. You know, their teacher died and left them hopeless and afraid and wondering where to go next. You know, but thank God for the end of the story. And ultimately, the beginning of our story. How Christ resurrected on the third day. It was revealed to 500 people that we have record of, proof of. God revealed himself to 500 people. And he's risen. He's alive. In our seasons of uncertainty, it's really easy to be taken aback by our circumstances and not really see the full picture because we don't have the full picture. God has the full picture. You know why? Because he is sovereign. He knows everything before it's going to happen. Every single detail of your life has already been planned out. And even in the most difficult situations, even in the terrible situation, God is working out everything for the good of those who love him. And to those who are called according to his purpose. And that is a promise I'm going to leave with you. I don't know what situation you're in right now. I don't know what season of faith you're in right now, but I want you to know that you don't have the full picture. God does. And he promises us everlasting life in these uncertain situations. This new age gospel teaches us that if you believe in Jesus, you'll get the desires of your heart materialistically. You'll get fame, you'll get wealth, you'll get money. And that is sadly the reason why 80 to 90% of the new converts in today's church are, are backsliders because they are being presented this false gospel. I don't believe in Jesus for what he could do for me now. I believe in him because of 
eternity. I believe him because of eternity. Jesus said, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth and vermin can destroy and where a thief can steal, but store your treasures up in heaven where a thief cannot steal and where moth and vermin cannot destroy. So I just want to ask you this last question. Where are you storing your treasures? God cares about your situation. The shortest Bible verse was Jesus wept. He cried with the sister and the siblings and the friends of Lazarus to show his compassion and to show that he cared. But Jesus, out of all people, Jesus, God incarnated in the flesh, he knew what was going to happen. But he, he got on their level. He showed them compassion and he wept with them. Jesus is weeping with you in your season, but Jesus is not done with you. I love you all, and I thank you for taking the time just to listen to me speak um, on who Jesus is through the two chapters of Isaiah and how that correlates back to uh, what the Apostle John says in chapter 12. I really hope you would consider this, and I really hope you would know and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ if you haven't. And if you do know him and you're going through a rough situation, and if you don't know him and you're going through a rough situation, just know that God is sovereign and he's working on everything for the good of those who love him. And I'm leaving you with that. Amen and God bless you all. Have an amazing week. Stay safe out there. Stay safe out there. Wash those hands. Um, and, you know, we're going to get through this whole coronavirus situation here pretty soon. Um, and uh, I just love you guys so much.